welcome. It's good to see you. Uh, let me pray for us as we begin our time together. Oh Lord, thank you for your great grace to us. Uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, as we study uh, Machen's words and as we think about them and, and what they have to teach us, uh, that in, in many ways like him, uh, we, we live in a, in a culture that is against you. Uh, we, we are even surrounded by people that want to distort the message of the gospel, uh, and, and this uh, infiltrates the church in a variety of different ways. And Lord, uh, we know it's not just true in our age and uh, in Machen's day, but uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, there have always been those seeking to uh, thwart your message, to pervert your message, to change it, to water it down. But Lord, we thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and that there is nothing that can stop the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, Lord, would you help us uh, to know him a little bit better this morning uh, as we uh, learn from uh, your servant Machen uh, in this chapter about Christ. Lord, help us as we study this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, we're in chapter 5 this morning of Christianity and Liberalism, so if you've got your books with you, there are the page numbers. Uh, I hope you're reading this book. If you are reading this book, this, uh, this lesson this morning will be something like an echo from the book, and I'll be, making, I'll, I'll be pulling out a lot of quotes from the chapter and also making some application for us as we go along. But if you haven't read the book, then this will be kind of a summary of this chapter for you. But do read the book, because preparing this, it's painful to cut quotes from and, and whole arguments that he makes, because it, it's so good. This is a long chapter. The next chapter is a long chapter, but, but they're worth reading in their entirety and following Machen's argument. Um, the, our, the point of this chapter this morning is that Jesus is a supernatural person. Uh, he's not just a moral teacher. And by being a supernatural person, that means that he himself is God. And so the question that Machen is really answering in this chapter is Jesus' question to the disciples in Mark chapter 8. Who do you say that I am? The, the liberal church in Machen's day would say that Jesus was a moral teacher. Uh, he was a mere man. And, and uh, Machen will use this phrase several times in the book that they'll say something like, Jesus was the fairest flower of humanity, which sounds really pretty and maybe it even sounds kind of gross to you, but that's what they would say about him, that he was the best of us. But Machen says no. Jesus didn't leave that option open to us. Jesus claimed that he was God. And so just to talk very briefly about where we've been so far in this book, uh, in, uh, after the introduction in chapter 2, uh, we talked about doctrine, the, the presuppositions of the Christian message, that the Bible is clear, that it tells a coherent story, and we can understand what that is. Uh, in, in chapter 3, uh, Parks taught us about the view of God and the view of man. Then in chapter 4, uh, uh, Dr. Reams taught us about the book in which this message is contained, the Bible. Well, next week, uh, Pastor David is going to teach us about the message, which is salvation, but this week we're going to look at the person on whom that message is based, and that is the Lord Jesus. And so here, what, what Machen does, and you can, you can see this as you, as you track through the book, Machen's been taking apart arguments that the liberals in his day would make. But in this chapter, it becomes really personal for Machen, I think. And it makes sense because this chapter is about the person. 
It is about a person. It's about the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Machen's showing you that along the way, there are all these doctrines that uh, the, the liberals disagree with that really impact your faith, that really Im- un- impact the way that you think about the world. But here, in this chapter, Machen puts his finger on the real problem that if you believe what the, the modernist, what the liberal church is teaching, you will reject Christ. You will reject the Lord and Savior. That's what's at stake. And that's what Machen is, uh, is really saying in this chapter. And so you could outline this chapter in this way. If, if we're asking the question, who do we say that Jesus is? Uh, is he, like the liberals say, um, simply a, a moral teacher? Uh, Machen's going to argue that no, Jesus isn't simply a moral teacher. He is the object of worship. Uh, And then he's going to uh, prove that by saying uh, three things, that Jesus says that he's God, that Jesus presents himself as sinless. And all that is leading up to, if you're looking at the page numbers, you can see that they're kind of shorter sections at the beginning. It's really ramping up to Machen's full argument, which is that Jesus is a supernatural person, that he himself is God. So big picture, that's what we're looking at in this chapter, and I'll briefly go through uh, these these four points. Essentially, though, in this chapter, Machen is doing the same kind of thing that C.S. Lewis is going to do 30 years later in his uh, radio addresses that'll be put in a book called Mere Christianity. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, I'm trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. But Lewis says, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be one of these things. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, which is a very C.S. Lewis thing to say, uh, or else he would be the devil of hell. And if that strikes you as a really strong thing for him to say, he, he's putting this for us starkly. If Jesus is a man who came to people and said that he is God, that all of human history hinges on him, then he's either out of his mind or he's a false teacher. He's telling people a lie. So he's either, uh, I think it's uh, uh, Mc, uh, McDowell later, we'll call this the liar, the lunatic, or the Lord, trilemma. C.S. Lewis is saying, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him or kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to such a helpful summary uh, from C.S. Lewis, and it's really what Machen is saying 30 years earlier uh, in this book, and especially in this chapter, that Jesus is the object of our worship. Uh, Liberals claim that the New Testament, if you read the New Testament, what you're getting from it is it's teaching you how to have faith in God like Jesus. So they're saying Jesus is our example. We should imitate Jesus. We're supposed to follow the path that he walked. And so part of what Machen's doing here is that liberals talked an awful lot about Jesus. And so this is one of the ways that the the modernist thinkers could get away with being in the church for so long without being challenged. They talked about Jesus a lot. 
And they said a lot of high and maybe respectful things about Jesus that look at the great example he is for us. Look at the way that he submits to God, that he has faith in God through all of his trials. But Machen knows what's really going on here. They're really saying that Jesus is only an example and that he is not God. And so Machen says, well, let's, let's just look at the New Testament and let's start by talking about Paul. What does Paul say? And you might remember from a few weeks ago that uh, one of Machen's first books was this one called The Origin of Paul's Religion. Where did Paul's religion come from? That's what uh, liberals were talking about. And, and Machen said very simply, well, Paul's religion came from Jesus. And so he said, did Paul, and he puts this question uh, really straight, in a really straightforward way for us, did Paul want Christians to have faith in God like Jesus did? Or did Paul want Christians to have faith in Jesus? And, and, and Machen's answer is that, yes, we do imitate Jesus, but first and foremost, we must be saved by him. And, and he says the striking thing that, that Paul stands in a religious relationship with Jesus. Paul's not just studying Jesus kind of as this detached example for us to follow. Man, there were, there were some really wonderful things he did in his life. Wouldn't it be nice if we could apply some of those same principles? No, first and foremost, we bow down to Jesus as our Lord and King. That's what he sees in Paul's letters. That's what you can't help but see in Paul's letters. Well, then he asks the obvious question, moving on from Paul, what did Jesus say about himself? And he points this out for, for, for us. If, if Jesus just wanted us to follow his, his example, he had a very strange way of going about it. Because Jesus made it very clear that we were going to stand before God in judgment based on what we said about him, based on our relationship to him. And that heaven was the glorious reward, the, the place where we would dwell with him in eternity if we would come to him in faith. But if we would not, we would face eternal hell. Jesus Machen points out that uh, Jesus talked about hell in, a, in an even more intense way than the apostles after him did. Uh, he, he says that Jesus did not present holiness as not that hard and sin is not that bad. Just follow, you're, you're not all that, you're, you're not in all that much trouble. You just need a little bit of help. Follow my example and you'll do better. But that's not what Jesus' message was. Machen said Jesus presented the wrath of God in a more awful way than it is afterward presented by his disciples. It was Jesus, by the way, Jesus whom modern liberals represent as the mild-mannered exponent of an indiscriminating love. They, they kind of portray Jesus like he's just throwing flower petals out wherever he goes and blowing kisses at people. But he says that Jesus spoke of the outer darkness, of everlasting fire, of the sin that shall not be forgiven either in this world or in that which is to come. What did Jesus say about himself? The Son of Man, in, in Matthew 13, the Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into a fiery, fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus calls it the hell of fire, a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal punishment, unquenchable fire. The liberals were saying, just be, just be sweet and tolerant like Jesus. And Machen's saying, where is that Jesus? Because Jesus says things like this. 
And, and the reason he says this is not to be mean to you. It says you want to be rescued from this. You want to be saved from this. And the only way to be is by coming to Jesus as your Savior. Now, the, he, he shifts his argument a little bit here. And he points out some liberal language, so, some ways that modern preachers in his day would talk. And they, say, well, they would say, well, Jesus was the first Christian. We need to follow the faith like he did. And maybe that you hear that, and if somebody said Jesus was the first Christian, you would be like, oh, that sounds wrong to me, but I'm not really sure why. Maybe it's an okay thing to say. But this is what they mean. Again, that Jesus is merely our example. And then for us to be Christians, we're just supposed to do what Jesus did. And then Machen's very clear about this. He says, no, that doesn't make any sense. Because first and foremost, Christianity is about transformation before it is about imitation. It's a typo up there. It's about transformation before it's about imitation. Jesus is not merely the example of faith. He's the object of faith. If you tried to follow exactly what Jesus did in his life, there are a lot of things that don't make sense. Jesus said that he was God, that he was sinless, that he is a supernatural person. And those are things that we do not say about uh, ourselves. There is a way to imitate Jesus in his moral life and in, in, in a sense, cross-bearing. But Machen is really, really driving this home to say that Jesus did not come as merely a moral example. And so he's, he's talked about Jesus being the object of our worship. Now he moves into the fact that Jesus is God. This is a, a brief point, but the, the, the liberals in his day say, just imitate Jesus. And Machen is going to say, in what way? In his claims to be divine? We don't do that. Uh, in, in his dying on the cross? Well, we don't go and die on a cross. Jesus, and he points this out and says, Jesus is sinless and doesn't have to personally confess his sin, but we do. And, and Machen says, Jesus undertook a special mission which shall never be ours. And so what kind of thing were liberals teaching that, that made Machen have to say something like this? Well, they were emphasizing Jesus' sonship and not his divinity. Uh, they were saying that Jesus was really teaching us how to think of ourselves, uh, how to think of all of ourselves as, uh, as sons and daughters of God. But, but you've really got to pervert what the Bible is saying to get there. And, and Machen accuses them, rightly so, of engaging in speculation, basically saying that, look, when, you, when, when the liberal preachers are talking like this, they're writing historical fiction. Uh, they, they, they present Jesus as if he was a man who was teaching uh, how to have a closer relationship with God, and then later his disciples came along and unwillingly sort of made Jesus God. But Jesus says, in order to think this way, you've, or Machen says, in order to think this way, you've really got to throw out the Bible. Well, two slanders that the, that the liberal preachers would often say is that first, that Jesus wasn't sinless, and that second, he didn't do miracles. But they wouldn't come right out and say this. They didn't directly charge Jesus with this. They would accuse his followers of, of kind of overplaying uh, and speaking about Jesus in too high of a way. But Machen hammers home this idea that, uh, that the liberal is calling uh, Jesus a moral teacher and that that person is really uh, lying about Jesus. Well, so Jesus is the object of our worship. He's God and he is sinless. 
um, the, the theological liberal in, in Machen's day really wanted to get rid of sin. They really didn't want to talk about, about sin, and there were two ways that they did this. The first was to minimize sin, and by saying that it's merely imperfection. And so you see why if they, they, would, they would not talk about Jesus being sinless, because if you say that Jesus is sinless, then you have to talk about sin. If you say that Jesus is sinless and, and you celebrate how wonderful and incredible that is, what you're naturally saying is that that's, that's, that's wonderful and amazing because we are sinners and our sin is awful. And it's, uh, it, it incurs the judgment of Almighty God, but the liberal preacher didn't want to talk about any of that. So they want to minimize sin and say that it's merely imperfection. That's why some of them are okay with saying that Jesus is sinful because sin isn't really that big of a deal in their eyes. Or, and this is an even trickier thing to do, they would avoid it altogether. If someone asked them, what, was, what, what do you think about sin? They would say, well, that's really an academic issue. It's like, well, isn't that something that you should know about? Aren't you kind of academic? Shouldn't you teach us about this? They, they would say things like, well, you should be content to say that Jesus was above us. Again, they're keeping things vague. Uh, the, the liberal, why, why do they do this? Well, one, because they don't want to offend people. And they don't want to challenge modern ways of thinking about the world, the sort of modern, evolutionary, anti-supernatural view of the world. Because if you say that we are sinners, it's one thing to say that some people are worse than others because relatively some of us are good, some of us are bad, and, and, and this is how we think about each other. It's another thing to say that we're sinners because if you talk about sin, you're appealing to a standard that is outside of you. Why are you a sinner? Well, because you have offended the law of the holy God. And so it's taking us out of this naturalistic world, this world of things that we can see, into the things unseen. And remember that one of the presuppositions of these liberal teachers is that, we are, is that they are anti-supernatural. They don't want to talk about miracles. They don't want to talk about the supernatural. Um, they, they want to be appealing to the modern world that is, that is stuck only on what the eye can see and what we can test under a microscope. Um, and so Machen's response to all this is sinlessness requires a fixed standard, a, a, the concept of absolute goodness. He says, but to the concept of an absolute goodness, the modern evolutionary view of the world, properly speaking, has no right. If such absolute goodness is to be allowed to intrude at a definite point in the present world process, we're involved in that supernaturalism, which, as will be observed later, is the very thing that the modern reconstruction of Christianity is most anxious to avoid. And here's what he's saying very simply. If you say Jesus is sinless and all others are sinful, you've entered into the irreconcilable conflict with the whole, with the whole modern point of view. He said, why, why aren't liberal preachers, why are they shying back from sin? Well, he's saying that because if you claim that we are sinners before God, you are entering into uh, the thinking in a supernatural way, that there, that there is something beyond what we can see, that there is a God uh, who we will stand before uh, in, in the last day in judgment. And, and modern people who are stuck in this materialistic, naturalistic way of thinking are going to laugh at you. And Machen, I think, very simply is saying, look, the modern preacher in his day doesn't want to get laughed at by the world. And he's pointing us here and saying, this is what they're giving up to them. 
They say that they're giving up, well, uh, maybe their grasp on the Bible is getting less and less firm, or maybe there's some miracles in the Bible that they have some trouble with. Machen's saying, no, you're giving up the whole thing. You're, You're giving up Christ, who you say you prize and love. This is the question. Did Jesus present himself as sinless? Machen says Christianity is about getting rid of sin. And if it isn't, it's useless because all men have sinned. And he says Jesus is not our example for getting rid of sin. Like Jesus, you don't look at Jesus and say, well, let's see how Jesus repented of sin. He didn't do that because he didn't have any sin to repent of. He says Christian faith is trust reposed in Jesus for the removal of sin. It's not about learn, It's not about getting tips from Jesus. That's not what Christianity is ultimately about. It's about going first and foremost to Jesus so that we can be saved from our sin. Machen says the liberal, naturalistic reconstruction of Jesus cannot be made an example. In reality, the liberals don't take him as their example. What he really does in practice is to manufacture as his example a simple exponent of a non-doctrinal religion whom the abler historians, even of his own school, know never to have existed except in the imagination of modern man. What's Machen saying? It's like, you're not following Jesus as an example. You're not even talking about Jesus anymore. You're throwing out the Bible and you're making up some guy, some hippie who loves everybody and uh, and just says sweet things to people and never confronts them. And that person doesn't exist. That's not Jesus. And Machen's trying to put his finger on this for us. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if you can go. I don't know if I could go through each text and say specifically what they would do with each one. But it's from what I've read, and, and you can see this. You can pull up. Uh, we we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick's sermon, "Shall the Fundamentalist Win?" And you see what he does with Scripture, and he just takes the the shallowest possible reading, and it's it's almost look like it's almost like he's taking a passage of Scripture. And looking for key words and thinking, uh, a modern person would get on board with this. A non-believer would be fine and would not be offended and maybe be encouraged if I just took this one phrase out of context. And uh, yeah, it's really sad what what they do with Scripture. <laughs> yeah, I think you can say that. Yeah. Machen has just been building us up to this point, And this is really the, the crux of his argument. We'll end here that Jesus is a supernatural person. Again, who do you say that I am? Uh, Liberals regard Jesus, again, as the fairest flower of humanity. Christianity regards him as a supernatural person. Again, with with C.S. Lewis, you can't say this about Jesus, that he's just an an ordinary man. And, And Machen really zeroes in on this to, to help us define our terms and say, what, what are we really talking about? He's saying that the, the liberal rejects the notion of miracles and the supernatural. So what is a miracle? Well, miracle is a supernatural act in the natural world. What is the supernatural? And this is a really helpful definition, I think. A supernatural event is one that takes place by the immediate power of God, as distinguished from the immediate power of God, where God is using ordinary means 
in which to do something. If we pray for healing for someone, God could miraculously heal that person. Or he could heal them through ordinary means, their immune system fighting off the infection. A doctor prescribing some kind of medicine, some kind of remedy, some kind of change to the lifestyle that helps. Or doing surgery. Those are, those are, uh, there, there's a mediator there. Uh, those are ordinary means of God answering that prayer. For him to do something miraculous is to use none of those ordinary means uh, and to work without a mediator. Uh, I can speak to my wife face-to-face, and that's immediate communication. Or I can use the, the mediator of a cell phone or one of my kids. And maybe the message makes it there, maybe it doesn't. Usually they're pretty reliable, but they are, they are a mediator for me. But the, a miracle, the supernatural, is God working in an immediate way without a mediator. And, and so Machen clarifies this, and he says, uh, here's another way to think about this. You know how sometimes people will say, man, it was, they'll, they'll talk about something really good that happened to them, and they'll say, it was such a God thing. Well, is a God thing something that's supernatural, and then everything else is not a God thing? Well, no, everything's a God thing. Miracles are a God thing. And then the natural things that, uh, through which the Lord blesses us, through ordinary means, those things are a God thing as well. And Machen gets here by clarifying, okay, do we mean that God does what is supernatural, but then not what is natural? That would be, a, that would be an argument that some liberals would push against him. Uh, and, and Machen would say that, uh, no, the supernatural and the natural are both works of God. God created the world, and he upholds the world by his power. It's, it's all the wonderful work of God. Uh, we are not deists who believe that God wound up the clock and then just kind of let it go. That he set the ordinary processes of the world in order, and now the sun rises. Uh, From our perspective, we're revolving around the sun, uh, and it's just working on a clock. Now, every day we thank the Lord that the sun rose. We thank the Lord that he's provided for us food. Even if it came through natural means, as it often does, we thank the Lord for all of these things because God is at work in both the natural and the supernatural. But, uh, and so Machen says, on the contrary, the believer in the supernatural regards everything that is done as being the work of God. Only he believes that in the events called natural, God uses means, whereas in the events called supernatural, he uses no means, but puts forth his creative power. That's a wonderful distinction there that Machen is making. He's saying that when, when a miracle happens, it's, it's sort of like God is doing a work of creation. Uh, in that he's he's speaking something into uh, into being, or he's speaking something uh, in order for it to happen. Now, the liberal will say to push back against this: if there is such a thing as miracles, that destroys science. Science should have a really strong capital S there. How could we how could we offend the great science? But science is founded. But Machen says that's not true at all. Um, he says science is founded upon the regularity of sequences. God created an ordered world. The whole reason you can do science is because of God, uh, because he ordered the world so that the world, so that things work in predictable ways. But, and, and so the liberal would kind of caricature the Christian's view, and you've seen this already many times, would, would say that 
well, Christians, you believe in miracles. You believe that just random stuff is happening out in creation all the time. Well, no, made, and, and, and then therefore the world is unpredictable and we can't trust anything. And Machen says, well, no, miracles are not arbitrary. They're not arbitrary interruptions of order. They are instead creative works of God that reveal something to us. Miracles are for a purpose. They're communicating something to us always. Machen says, once admit the existence of a personal God, maker and ruler of the world, and no limits, temporal or otherwise, can be set to the creative power of God. Admit that God once created the world, and you cannot deny that he might engage in creation or in miracles again. And so Machen is saying, why would you, uh, to, to the liberal preacher and those who would follow after them, why would you limit God? Why would you say that God, who created all things, cannot, cannot work in his creation in this way. Um, and, and Machen's ultimately saying that you're, you, you are going to get rid of, of a belief in God and a love for him if you stay on this road. Uh, Machen, Machen is saying all of this to make this point, that if you don't believe in miracles, you're not going to believe the Bible. Now, there are many who would try to disentangle the miracles from the Bible. Uh, there's a, a, a uh, Albert Schweitzer called it the quest for the historical Jesus. It's the kind of thing that Thomas Jefferson was doing by cutting uh, passages out of the Bible that um, people were seeking to find the historical Jesus. And uh, to do this, they were looking at the New Testament and trying to say, okay, what were the things that Jesus really would have said? And what they meant by in this search was that they were getting rid of all of the, all of the supernatural, all of the miracles that, they, that, that Jesus had done, uh, and they got rid of Jesus' claims to divinity, and so you're just left with the moral statements that Jesus would have made. And they say, well, that's really what could have happened, but why? I mean, all the person who's doing that is showing, all the liberal is doing is proving that they have a presupposition that miracles can't happen. There's no such thing as the supernatural. Why couldn't there be a supernatural person? You're not even taking the Bible as a historical artifact. You're not, you're not doing science. Your, uh, Machen will consistently accuse liberalism of being anti-historical and anti-science because they're not taking the Bible as a founding document. This is how you do history. You look at the documents and see, were they written? Or is, is this reliable? Is it internally coherent? Was it written during the time of other eyewitnesses? Does it stand up through the test of time? Uh, are the when when there are multiple manuscripts copied, do they do they cohere with each other? Are they consistent? And all of that's true about the Bible and so much more. And Machen is saying you're you're just making things up. You're doing historical fiction um, if you try to get the miracles out of the Bible. And uh, and and the liberal in Machen's day would say, look, we're we're just trying to make it easier for people to believe the Bible. We're trying to make the Bible more relevant to people. We're trying to make it more approachable. And this is Machen's uh, comeback. The New Testament without miracles would be far easier to believe. The trouble is it would not be worth believing. Isn't that so good? Because without the miracles, the New Testament would contain an account of a holy man. And then here, Machen's doing a similar thing to what C.S. Lewis will do later. He's saying, not a perfect man, it's true, for he was led to make lofty claims to which he had no right, but a man at least far holier than the rest of men. 
But what would be the benefit of such a man? And the death which marked his failure um, to and, and his, uh, his death which marked his failure. The loftier be the example which Jesus set, the greater becomes our sorrow at our failure to attain it, and the greater our hopelessness under the burden of sin. So he's saying, look, if the, if, if the, if the Jesus of liberalism is true, uh, this Jesus who just walked around and gave uh, nice sayings until he was finally murdered on the cross, then that Jesus is of no real benefit to us, especially to us who are sinners, which is all of us. He says the sage of Nazareth may satisfy those who have never faced the problem of evil in their own lives. But to talk about an ideal to those who are under the thraldom of sin is cruel mockery. He's like, y'all who are comfortable with this liberal Jesus must not be sinners. Because we who are sinners need help. We need a savior. We need someone to radically transform our lives, to change our hearts from the inside out. You may be satisfied with this Jesus, but you shouldn't be. Your your made-up Jesus is not real. And the one who we have come to is the one who saves people from their sins. Machen says it's a small comfort to be told that there was goodness in the world when what we need is goodness triumphant over sin. Without the miracles, we should have a teacher. But with the miracles, we have a Savior. And friends, that's who we have in Jesus. That's the wonderful news. And, and Machen shows us this in many wonderful ways. In the New Testament, what's the purpose of a miracle? If miracles always have a purpose, what, what are they in the New Testament? Uh, Machen says really simply, the purpose of every miracle in the New Testament is the conquest of sin. And you might think, is that right? And we'll think about it this way. Jesus is king. And he came to show his power over all things. And he has power not only to make the lame man take up his mat and walk, but to forgive his sins. If you give up on the idea of sin or the supernatural, you've given up on Christianity. Uh, and, and liberalism has given up on both. Look at what Matthew 9 says when, uh, when Jesus tells the man to stand up and walk. He says, for which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. What what is Jesus saying there? He's saying that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive your sins. I then do this miracle. All of Jesus' miracles, his making water walkable, his casting out demons so that people are demon-free, his opening the ears of the deaf and opening the eyes of the blind and making people live again, calming storms. All of those miracles are there to prove that he is king. He's king over the natural order. He's king over all things. That is the purpose of the miracles, to show that when he says, if you come to me, I will forgive your sins, he means it. He's capable of that. He's able because he is no mere man. He is God. And this is, we're, we're coming to the, the, the close of the chapter now. And this is where Machen, I think, becomes the, the toughest opponent that, he, that we've seen so far against the liberal. Machen starts landing serious punches uh, at the end of this chapter because he's really wanting people to come to a point of decision and say, are you going to be content with this liberalized version of Jesus? Or are you going to come to Jesus as he really is? 
Are you going to stop standing over the Bible and saying, these are the parts I like, these are the parts I don't? Because if you do, you're acting like you're God and you're not. Or are you going to come to the Scriptures and say, teach me, I open myself before the Word of God so that my heart can be changed. Machen says the supernatural is the very ground and substance of the Christian faith. Without a conviction of sin, there can be no appreciation for the uniqueness of Jesus. And without a conviction of sin, there can be no understanding of the occasion for the supernatural act of God. And this is really important what Machen says here. The liberal, this is the liberal preacher's secret that he unveils here in this chapter. For the liberal preacher, it's not that some miracles are rejected. It's all. You, you remember when we talked about the five fundamentals that were really important to the, the Bible-believing Christians in Machen's day, that one of those was the virgin birth of Christ. And why was that? Well, it was because there were, there were people who were starting to question the virgin birth of Christ. But here's what Machen points out. Is it's really disingenuous for people to talk about, uh, for the liberal preacher to talk about not believing in the virgin birth. Because what they actually believe is that they actually don't just stop with that miracle. They don't believe any of the miracles. Uh, the, the liberal, the, the, down at the bottom there, it says the impression is thus produced in the plain man that the preacher is accepting the main outlines of the New Testament according to Jesus but merely has difficulties with this particular element in the account. But Machen says that impression is radically false. The, the, the liberal preacher is trying to present himself as, well, I just have a hard time with the virgin birth and no other miracles. Machen says no. He says if you find someone who denies the virgin birth, they deny all the miracles in the New Testament. What about the resurrection? And he says if you really push liberal preachers, this is what they say about the resurrection. They make the resurrection just what the word resurrection was most, didn't, most emphatically did not mean. A permanence of influence of Jesus or a mere spiritual existence of Jesus beyond the grave. And, and this sentence, I think, is what, is what summarizes the real problem with liberalism. And this extends even to our day. This is why you've got to ask people follow-up questions. When they use some of the... the, the the, the, the historic language of Scripture. Old words may here be used, but the thing that they designate is gone. The apostles believed in the resurrection and it enabled them to do the work of the church. And so this is Machen's call. Um, he said it is high time that this issue should be faced. It is high time that the misleading use of traditional phrases should be abandoned and men should speak their full mind. And, and he says this is... Uh, this, this right here is, is the key. Shall we accept the Jesus of the New Testament as our Savior, or shall we reject him with the liberal church? I think this is the clearest Machen has, has spoken uh, in, in this book so far. He's been clear the whole time, but this, he's really putting his finger on the decisive moment. He's saying, if you go along with what the liberal preacher is preaching, you're not having a different version of Jesus. It's no Jesus at all. You're rejecting him. Now, to some people who were still in churches that were preaching this way, uh, Machen addresses them and says that uh, some people will say, well, my pastor says that he believes that Jesus is God. And Machen says that Jesus, that to the liberal preacher, Jesus is God means merely that the life of God, which appears in all man, appears with special 
clearness or richness in Jesus. Such an assertion is, is diametrically opposed to the Christian belief in the deity of Christ. You know how some of the modern wisdom today, and I think this is generally, you know, this, this is a helpful idea. If you look at a, a label for food and you look at what's in that food and you can't pronounce the ingredients, it's probably going to be delicious, but it may not be great for you. You can apply something similar to the way the liberal preacher in Machen's day spoke. If you ask, what do you mean when you say Jesus is God? And he says a bunch of stuff that sounds like nonsense to you. Probably is. If, if you can't ask a straightforward question by what do you mean when you say Jesus is God? What do you mean when you talk about sin? What do you mean when you say he rose from the dead? And he gives you some flowery, flowery poetic, uh, long answer. He's not being direct. He's not saying what the scriptures say. And Machen is warning us about this. Liberals resort constantly, he says, to the use of double language. It's double speak. According to the fundamental principle. All right, here's something really helpful. And we're, we're almost done here. Just a, just a few more slides. Machen calls this the fundamental principle of truthfulness in language. He says, according to that fundamental principle, language is truthful, not when the meaning attached to the words by the speaker, uh, but the meaning intended to be produced in the mind of a particular person addressed is in accordance with the facts. That's it's a little bit of a complicated way of saying that, but here's what he's saying. Language is truthful, not when I know what I mean by what I say, but when I'm speaking in a way that I know you'll understand what I mean. Uh, what I say. The, the liberal preacher is, is saying, well, I know what I mean when I say that Jesus is God. But Machen's saying, you're lying. Because when you say that Jesus is God, you know what your congregation thinks you mean. And what they think you mean and what you actually mean are two completely different things. And Machen's like, you may have a lot of complicated and flowery words for that, but I'm just going to give it to you straight, and that's lying. When what you think is different than, uh, than, than what you're saying, uh, then, then you are lying. And that's what Machen calls them out for. He says, our, he says, our definition of God, who God is, is really simple. It comes from the first verse of Genesis. God is the creator of all. Uh, he says, there's no possible desire to edify the church or to avoid offense that can excuse a lie. Jesus is God. Well, Machen says here, Putting it plainly, if then he's not merely a man, but a supernatural person, the conclusion is that he is God. If you try to refine, redefine who Jesus is, you end up a heretic. The church carefully articulated that Jesus is God. He's two natures in one person. He's one person, but he's, uh, he has a divine and a human nature. He is both fully God and fully man. And that was not produced by some council 300 years after the church. That's not speculation, but an attempt to summarize succinctly and exactly what the Bible teaches, the scriptural teaching. And so Machen leaves us with this at the end. He says, such radicalism, that the liberal preaching in his day is not a bit more successful than the heresies of the past. And why does he say that? Well, because he knows about it. Because Machen wrote a book about it. He's sounding the warning sign, and he's not the only one. And we're still reading Machen today so that we can be better attuned to seeing foolishness and to recognizing 
uh, this, this kind of unbiblical teaching when we hear it. The liberals reduced Jesus uh, on whom they set arbitrary limits, has a moral contradiction at the very center of his being. And this is, this is uh, his last statement in this chapter, and it's wonderful. hope that you'll sit with it and think about this for a while. The Jesus of the New Testament has at least this one advantage over the Jesus of the modern Reconstruction. Our Jesus is real. Jesus, as he's presented in the New Testament, is the real Jesus. He's not a manufactured figure suitable as a point of superior ethical maxims as the liberal preacher uh, wants to portray him. He's a genuine person uh, whom a man can love. And men have loved him through all the Christian centuries. The strange thing is that despite all the efforts to remove him from the pages of history, there are those who love him still. Brothers and sisters, may it be true of all of us. May we love the Lord Jesus Christ, the real, the living, the true God. Now let's pray together. Oh Lord Jesus, uh, pray that as we've studied these things, that uh, it's made us more and more attuned uh, to the ways in which people will try to uh, cloud the truth of your word. Uh, Lord, uh, would we not be easily deceived, uh, but would we have, uh, would we be carefully attuned to, to hear uh, the falsehoods that abound in this world? And would we not forget the real, true gospel? Uh, would we not be ashamed by people that would mock and scoff at the church for believing in miracles, for believing in the supernatural, for believing in your enduring word? Uh, Lord, would we be unashamed to confess the Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord, the one who forgave our sin, uh, the Savior of sinners like us? Oh, Lord, would we not content ourselves with uh, mere imaginations of Jesus and different versions of Jesus, Lord, would we only be content to come to you, the living and true God. Lord Jesus, you are the one who died, and behold, you are alive forevermore, and you hold the keys to death and Hades. Lord, we come to you as our God and King. Lord, help us as we continue to worship you this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.